mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, and welcome to another episode of Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the chiclet that made us who we are. My name is Karen Dunhue, and I'm an author, a journalist, and the bad boy of the international show jumping set. Joining me is best-selling author and the gypsy lover your husband can't find out about, Jojo Moyes. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Today we're here to talk about Riders by Jilly Cooper. Definitely far and away the most requested book on the show. People have been, ever since I even uttered the idea for the show, people have said Riders. And I got in first. Yeah. I can't believe nobody's done it yet. Well, I was waiting for the right person. Oh, well, it's, <laughs> it ticks all my boxes, I can tell you. So um, this is my first time ever reading. I think also... I was putting it off mm-hmm. because it's so huge and because I'd never read it before. And I also assumed it was a much sweeter book than it was. I thought oh. it was just people rolling around in Bluebell Woods because no. of how people speak about it. It's a nasty, mean it's book. It's filthy. It's nasty, mean, filthy, full-blooded. <sighs> it smells of sweat and leather and bad boys that your mother warned you against. Yeah, oh, it's, it's that fantastic. Book. What's yeah. your experience of it? When did you first come to it and what's your relationship Oh, we see, it? most people come to Riders after after they've done the gamut of the short Jilly books, the Octavias and, mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. Which were like I young adults, weren't they? Kind yeah, of. yeah. But there was, really was sort of um, most people's introduction to sort of slightly racy um, mm. stories. But actually, I was madly horsey as a teenager. And, Same. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. But lived in London. So kind of completely hopelessly. Um, so just know. lived in the fantasy world of buying yeah, horse magazines. Basically, yeah. exactly that. And went to work at the local stables for yeah. um, 20 hours work for one hour's ride a week. And I thought this was great. I thought this was really good value. I um, used to also do that. And the um, the resentment those people have for day girls is absolutely like, you'll never feel hate. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, there's, no, okay. there's nothing bitchier than a stable yard full of teenage <laughs> girls. No, um, my God. Yeah, cut your yeah. teeth there and you survive anywhere after that it's just it's great but also you know you learn to kind of lug hay bales and um, yeah yeah and it's an amazing thing because it's a very it's I think the horse phase in a woman's life comes after toys and before boys kind of before boys properly some of us never grow out of it yeah Yeah. I think a horse girl is a horse girl for life will always be drawing pictures of horses in the back of coffee but I used to be hugely offended when people implied that it was sexual because for me yeah. it wasn't sexual it was it was romantic you know I loved these horses I loved them they understood me we had a kind of telepathic communication oh. that obviously didn't quite extend to them but I felt it you know and they were beautiful and you know demanding and capricious and yeah tell me about things. the significant horses in your life uh well I still have horses do you yeah. I, oh. well okay so here's my unusual horse story okay. I bought a horse when I was 14 and lived in Hackney and I kept him behind Hackney Town Hall I bought him with the proceeds of a cleaning job and my parents were not remotely horsey. They were both artistic. And I came home and I said, I bought Bombardier, who was this horse I used to Bombardier! Bombardier. And they went, yeah, right. And I said, no, I have. He cost me £425 and I saved it all up from cleaning. And they looked at each other and they went, well, you can jolly well go and unbuy him. And I went, nope, can't make me. And they told me afterwards that they were actually quite proud of me for for doing it, but they couldn't tell me at the time. And I kept him for about three years until I A-levels and what have you. And you kept him where? 
behind Hackney Town Hall in a tiny little stable yard under the railway arches. And how did you pay for that? Uh, with cleaning jobs. Oh my God, yeah. that is the most romantic thing I've ever heard. And I used to ride on London fields and get chased off by park keepers all the time. <gasps> There's a whole gang of us, um, just kind of wild kids on feral horses, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so interesting and as well because... Um, I think a lot of the work that this book does as well is it sort of we associate horse owning with kind of an incredibly posh elite yeah. set. And those people exist in this book, but there's also the other side of it of the people who just love and live with horses and don't know anything different. Yeah, and, and the endless scrabble for money yeah, as well because they're expensive. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's pretty much the stupidest hobby you could have outside, I don't know, Formula One motor racing in terms of burning money. <laughs> well, um, like at least in, in Formula One, your cars don't die suddenly for no oh reason. God, oh, God. Don't sailor! Have to do Sailor! <laughs> yeah, okay, brace yourselves, guys. Uh, yeah. So um, just quickly, my pony mm. story was... Okay. Um, uh, my cousin trained horses and she bought a kind of a vaguely abused pony called Gypsy that she wanted me to retrain for her. Okay. And then she sold her without telling me. And I've never quite forgiven her. No, well, I sold my horse for almost no money to people who I thought he would be happy with forever. And they sold him on and wouldn't tell me where they sold him to. And I've never forgiven them either. I looked for him for a while and never... I mean, Jilly Cooper would have enjoyed this plot line. I, oh. Yeah, it's brutal. So I've never sold an animal since. My God. I have all the useless animals, all the useless horses, and I would never sell them because I can't bear it. Horses are such a good setting for betrayals, aren't they? Oh, God. Because there's so many horse betrayals in this book. And we're going to get into it. I'm going to do the plot summary, although I I would honestly just talk about our own horse experiences. Okay, do the plot summary. I want to hear this because that's 900 pages. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it was a struggle. So... Uh, Riders takes place in the elite English show jumping world, focusing on the lifelong rivalry between Jake Lovell, a half gypsy upstart who marries money in order to buy his first horse, and Rupert Campbell Black, a charmingly sadistic aristocrat who bullied Jake at school. The two trade blows by stealing horses and trophies from one another, culminating in Jake eventually running off with Rupert's wife Helen on the eve of the Olympic final. Well done. Did you think I got I that like in the paragraph? I should applaud you. <laughs> yeah, that it was, was hard. Kind of amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, there's a huge cast of characters. Jilly is quite huge. known for them. Yeah. Uh, also, another reason why it took me a long time to get into Jilly Cooper because you open the book and you see three pages of her cast first, where she goes, "Oh, Rupert." But her genius is that you remember them. I mean, I was talking to a, a, a male friend the other day and the first thing he remembered was Kevin Coley, the cat food magnet. Yes. And I'm like, you're, you're a 50-year-old guy. <laughs> Kevin. What just happened? Um, but, you know, every bo- woman I know who's read Riders in their girlhood yeah. remembers Rupert Campbell Black. Rupert uh, Campbell yeah. Black. Uh, and he's, he's one of these terrible, formative... Uh, literary influences who slightly ruins you for all other men forever after. He's such a fat. I mean, you could, well, basically we might we could spend an hour him. talking with Rupert, talking because about Rupert. Yeah. What's interesting is because she she takes Rupert through like five books, I think. Yes. The, the Rutcher Chronicles. Um, they cover different areas and different sports, different industries, but Rupert's always the recurring. He's, the he's always the Northern yeah. Star. Yeah. And um, she kind of leaves Jake behind. She's done yeah. with Jake really. Um, but Rupert is this character who. He should be unbelievable, you know. You yeah. shouldn't believe him as much as you do. But he's so nuanced, and there's such a amazing mix of the right, right mix of like sadism and actual like deep loyalty. Yes, like, because there's elements of him that is a truly good person, elements of him that is Satan himself. Exactly. So the, he, his his love for Billy, his yeah. best friend, is entirely admirable. And because Billy's a good person, you think, well, there must be some good elements in in yes. Rupert. And yet his treatment of Macaulay. Uh, 
the horse that he names yeah, um, after, after Helen. Helen, who he then abandons to be kind of brutalised in a stone quarry pit. You just think, well, well, hang on, how can this be the same person? And then, you know, one minute he's charming and flirty and funny, yeah. and then he's a bit rapey, you know, and, and yeah. brutal. And, yeah, it's it's... It's awful, really, how we all respond to him because he's just the worst. I think it's also because he's so funny. Like, yeah. he's a genuinely, like, funny person. Like, this is one bit, and I, I just thought it was really tickled me, where Helen's saying how she wants him in the delivery room when she gives birth to their first child. And he's like, oh, God, it's too Islington for words. <laughs> yeah. All, I mean, most of his jokes are class-based as well. Like They are. And that's the other thing about Jilly is that Although it's a kind of mad romp, and it is, it's just a super, uh, sorry, supercharged sexy romp through the world of show jumping. It is littered with uh, nuanced references to class, um, sort of Latin references. You know, she wears her knowledge so lightly, and yet it's all in there. And even knowledge of kind of horse dealing and stuff, this stuff yeah. that I knew from when I was a kid. And you can tell that she inhabits all these worlds so comfortably that it it's never laboured on the page. She no. just spits it out, kind and of it's, scattergun. It's never that person, that writer as well, and you see so much of it, someone who's done three years of research and is desperate to show it. Show it, it off, yeah. It's no, that no. real candlesticky writing where it's like, and because we were in the Victorian ages, somebody came to do up my buttons. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just effortless and effervescent and just so... It, I find it very inspiring just as a writer. A lot of this book I found inspiring just as a writer who's at the Did beginning you? of their career I think first of all the fact that she can include so many details about mm. people's lives who aren't even that important as characters yeah. like Kevin Coley the Catholic yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, you, you immediately know who he is yeah, yeah. And, and using such small details and having faith in her own writing and her own point of view the smell anyway. of gold spot on his breath I mean just like for those of us who grew up in the 80s that, it was like this terrible cheap mouth freshener oh, we all used to squirt was? our mouths with Mouth fresh. Gold spot was the worst. I could still taste it as soon as I read that. But it, it immediately tells you this is this guy's a little bit cheap and also slightly too concerned with how he comes yes. across. You would not get Rupert Campbell Black spraying gold spot in but his mouth. But also, the great thing about that is, like, I'm not of that generation. Yeah. I don't know what gold spot is. But it tells you. But the, the rhythm of the sentence and gold spot is yeah. just like, it just tells yeah. you, I don't even need to know what that is. You know? I think this is the thing. You talk about the rhythm of the language. I think Julia's a really underrated writer because yeah. to juggle a plot of this size and, and keep the reader compelled to page turn through 900 pages yeah. while really world building in a way that I mean I, I would compare her to um, Game of Thrones uh, yes yeah, because very like it's that. an all so many perspectives world, as well political I mean there's references to Margaret Thatcher and the strikes and yeah. there's, there's the IRA references to the IRA in yeah. a very kind of funny way <laughs> yes but but again I mean I'm I'm a bit older than you but it infused our daily life, this fear of bombs in London. You were always conscious that if you're on a tube or whatever, you might get the thing saying it's... it's yeah. the and the fact that she does dot her very jolly romps with kind of little bits of grit here and there just grounds it and makes it a yeah. really three-dimensional book in a way that I think a lot of people who don't read her don't get. Yeah, and, and I have—I can't believe that I've been doing this podcast for almost a year now and mm. I've read so many books I've never read before and that I can still be surprised because I, I just... And I love that about myself because yeah. I did have an idea of what Writers was and I, I think I thought it was much flimsier than it was. Did you? And also much, again, that um, 
it was just people sort of lifting up trophies and patting yeah. horses and feeding sugar lumps and then sh- shagging somebody, which wasn't uninteresting to me, but it wasn't like, mm, I'm not going to pick up a 900 page it's, book. I mean, it's really about the relationship between the two men. It's yes. just a battle to the death between two men who are of opposing classes, opposing opinions. I mean, you know, everything about Jake and his amazing soft hands and his uh, ability to kind of mend things. So are you team Jake or team Rupert? Oh, God. It would depend on whether I was ovulating. <laughs> sorry did i actually said that out loud didn't i okay no it makes complete Um, sense though yeah no a a bit of both i mean you'd you'd really want a composite of the two of them helen had it made honestly oh she did too much of a whinge to actually know that i never quite liked helen i I felt some sympathy for her but she got i mean i I was a janey girl more than a helen girl and what's funny is because when helen gets introduced you're so prepared to be team helen yeah because you're oh she's like this like sensitive she loves poetry and you know the arts and stuff but then once you go through like this 10 years that this book is um, she's so wearying and uptight and yeah uh, and she's so pretentious yes and this thing of like you know she's they're all at like this you know dinner after a big race or, or a big um, yeah. class or whatever and she's like oh it's it's a bit like um uh, Don Quixote isn't it everyone's like shut up Helen. Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> and it's funny because and you should feel bad for her but you're you're with them you're, you're with them, them. Like, fuck yeah, Helen. Jesus Christ she's yeah, so she's wearing yeah, yeah. And, and what's interesting is because you're there reading a book a thing Helen would do and they would never do oh and that's you're, true and you're still yeah, like and you're still rooting get for your head out of your eyes readers. Helen yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true it's true. Yeah, and I think as well what this and book Jamie does... dis, dis, um, behaves disgracefully. I mean, you know, she's she's Awful. Mrs. Crotchless Knickers, fag out of the mouth, never washes properly, puts on too much weight, yeah. and yet you kind of root for her all the time as well because she's terrible. Well, um, what's interesting so about the Billy and Janie thing? So we yeah. have we have. Oh, I loved Billy though. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, he's got a, a your sweet, perfect mix of soul. Rupert and Jake, really. Yeah, except you probably wouldn't sleep with him. I don't know. I don't know. My standards aren't. Oh, no. <laughs> But known to be lower. <laughs> Day 15. <Yeah>. Day 15! <laughs> oh dear. A different man for a different place in the exactly, cycle, you know? Exactly, um, So their relationship is that, you know, he's always kind of in Rupert's shadow. I you've never had ovulation in your literary podcast before, have you? I think this is the first time, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I like to be a first, yeah. <laughs> Although there is actually a wonderful period scene, a wonderfully erotic period scene in this book. I'm trying to think which... So there's this bit when um, Helen and Jake, who have decided to have this affair or whatever, they finally meet up in a hotel. They're finally going to do it. But she's come on. Oh, right. And he yeah. just, she has terrible cramps and they just lie down and he just... Oh, it's so erotic. Yeah. He, she just puts her head in his lap and he just like massages her tummy and then kind of fingers her. <laughs> and it's like, there's so much sex in this book. Some of it is... a. Er- Highly erotic. Yep. Some of it's just it's fucking really weird. Not, yeah. yeah. But it was just like, I was like, oh, shiver cute. me timbers. Yeah. 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 That's cute. But that, but the thing about the, the sex, I mean, some of it is erotic. Some of it is a bit weird. But it's it's so joyful and unapologetic. And, and in this age where we're all slightly paralyzed by yeah. everything we should and shouldn't be doing and how we look and, you know, there is something so refreshing to return to an age where people just kind of... I mean, uh, even when Jake is first unfaithful to Tori... Yes. ...and shags the groom, and and she says, oh, you know, should you feel better? And he's like, no, no, it's my reward for a clear round. And yeah. you should hate him because Tori's this very sweet... Um, yes. devoted character and yet you kind of feel like yes yes you have earned that with your clear yeah. round well done Jake it's just yeah. it's Julie just skews your attitude to sex I mean it's so casual and um, 
And it, know, it just... is genuinely really refreshing. Because I do feel in now that there is a kind of emphasis when you talk about sex in, in modern novels. Yeah. It's like somebody has an affair and then they think about it for 300 pages. And, and I'm no excuse. Tortured. Literally. Tortured. Yeah, so yeah. tortured. There's no torturing here. I think it's, well, apart from apart horses. From, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. No, let's not get on sale yet. What's interesting is because you have these descriptions of sex next to these descriptions of the animals mm-hmm. and what they're doing and their physicality and the tending to of them. Yes. It's, they become the same thing. It's true. She talks about sex in the same way she talks about horses. It's all very physical. It's like we're all just animals rutting. Yeah. Yes, and it's all about... I mean, there is... For all I hated the kind of conflation of the two when I was a teenager, there was also a thing that me and my girlfriends who rode horses knew, which was if you brought your boyfriend along and tried to get him to ride a horse and he couldn't ride, that was it. You could never fancy that person again. There's nothing unsexier than a man who can't ride if you can ride. Because, I mean, it's like a man who can't dance. You kind of assume... There's nothing going down. No, there's nothing going down here. It's just not going to work. Um, and yet, if you see a man who can ride really well, or maybe this is again, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's day 15 stuff again. Maybe <laughs> I'm just thinking, but it's, yeah, it's a physicality. and But it's also about, you can't ride a horse well without uh, a degree of sensitivity and understanding of of the combined physicality of the two of you. You cannot ride a horse well unless you are actually in tandem with the animal. So for a man to do that, you're like, oh, he's listening. He's listening. Oh, so true. I never put that together before, but you're absolutely right. I think it's just because I I have never really had a horsey man in my life kind of thing. Um, Because I, I sort of stopped riding when I was about 15. But I did once have a flirty encounter with a traveller. (laughs) <laughs> or a gypsy, or whatever yeah. you want to call it, a Jake Level type at a gymkhana. Yeah, and it was at a gymkhana. W- I love it. Literally at a gymkhana. I was thrown from my horse. I was thrown from gypsy. Did he pick you up? He didn't pick me up, but he came up to me and he was like, "Are oh, you right?" And I was like, yeah. Yeah. "Obviously mortified." And he was like, oh, "Some amazing riding there." I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. That's it. That's all he needed to do. And that was, you know, compliment you on your seat. Fifteen years before I met Jake, I met Jake Lovell. I met Jake Lovell. You know, my um, my step grandmother who who lived in Ireland and was a great hunter of horses and um, she she had a, a gay lad, a champion huntsman at Dublin. Um, oh, wow. And she I, she allowed me to ride him once when I was about fifteen. It was like riding the kind of Rolls Royce of horses. Oh. And we ran around the school a few times, and then she looked at me and she said, "You have a very hot seat." <gasps> And that stayed with me forever. <laughs> I've never worked out whether it was a compliment or not, but I have yeah. a whole seat. Yeah. It's also hints to the sort of the, the vague sapphic air yes. of the horse world, which is hinted to. But I never... don't think she meant it like that. But, um, yeah. but you know. Yeah. <laughs> what I love as well about um, about their whole world. First of all, um, I never... I suppose I saw a little bit of it on TV because it would be a slightly bigger sport in Ireland than any mm. kind of horse sport we've been in Ireland yeah. than it would be in most places. But I, I never, I thought that when Jilly Cooper was talking about these uh, show jumpers who are on the cover of tabloids mm. and like, you know, people really, everyone seems to know about show jumping mm. in this world. Um, it was huge. I never it understood was huge it being in the seventies and eighties. I mean, I don't really know why it, 
it faded from public consciousness. But yeah. there were all these amazing characters, um, like the Whitakers and Harvey Smith used to stick two fingers up at the judges, yes. and and it and uh, Caroline. Oh gosh, there were all these. We, we knew them as household names, and if you know, my my great litmus test for all these things were the Giles cartoons in in the newspaper. Uh-huh. I, I've got annuals and annuals, and they were kind of a, a feature in there because everybody knew them. You, you could be working class, you could be middle class or posh. It didn't matter. Everybody yeah. knew these show jumpers, and then weirdly, it's just sort of lost popularity. I'm not entirely sure why. It's very interesting. I had a conversation on Twitter with the author Susanna Forrest, who oh, wrote yeah. Year of the Horse. Yeah. Fascinating woman. She knows everything, everything about, about horses. horses. Yeah, she really does. Really, my kind of, I have to have her on. But um, So she uh, mentioned several reasons that I found very fascinating. First of all, um, Kevin Coley, the cat magnate, there was a trend for renaming horses um, to oh, fit whatever brand sponsor. So they stopped being characters. They stopped being recognisable. There was like literally horses called like Sony HDTV or whatever. Oh my God, that's so interesting. <laughs> so that's one thing. So they stopped being recognisable. Yeah, yeah. And second of all, the more we moved away from this world where everyone kind of knows a little bit about horses, everyone has an uncle or a cousin who has a horse. Yeah. You stopped understanding now. how hard the sport is. Yeah. And that's what you really get in this book is that you get how difficult it is. You're, yeah. you're very aware of the strides between jumps about like you know the power of an animal yeah. like what animals like and don't like yeah. what they'll do and won't do and she's entirely accurate you know this yeah. is when you, you realise that she really knows this world and in fact when you go I went to Julie's house once, Tell me. and you realise that she this is her world so it, it, yeah. it that's why it comes out so naturally on the page because this is her house Penshurst is her house and or Penscombe, Penscombe, Penscombe yeah. is her house and you know, uh, her husband was a bit naughty. And yeah. I, I'll, I'll tell you a story, which I'm sure if Jilly hears this, she won't mind me repeating. Uh, but I had basically the best day at her house. And oh. and when you go to Jilly's house, it's champagne all the way. And then they Did literally... Did she invite you there as a fellow author or as a fellow horsewoman? No, I think I was meant to be writing a feature, but the feature kind okay. of went out the window because I just <laughs> fell in love with Jilly. And Leo, her husband, her, her late husband, sadly, um, she has this amazing... It's, I mean, it's... The first thing I felt when I walked into this house, and it's this lovely old Cotswold stone, kind of huge, rambling, shabby house. I've never felt a house more suffused in love than this house was. You know, and sometimes you walk in and it literally Mm. comes out of the vaults and the floor and it just felt like a house that had been so filled with love. And, it, you know, there were dogs on sofas and cats and everything was a bit scratched and shabby in a kind of really pleasing way. But they have this amazing art collection. And Julie went out of the room to do something and Leo... Um, who was quite frail at the time, he said, um, just just shut that door a minute and look at the the picture behind the door. Uh, I want you to tell me something. And I, I sort of wandered over to the painting, worked out which one he was pointing at. And it was an absolutely filthy picture <laughs> of uh, someone giving a woman cunnilingus. And he said, what do you think of that then? And I just turned around and I thought, oh, I know what you're doing. So I said, I think it's a very nice picture of a man giving a woman cunnilingus. And he hooted with laughter. <laughs> And Jilly came in, she was like, oh, Leo, you haven't done that again, have you? And it was obviously, he was just having a game. Um, but, oh, my uh, yeah, God. No, and I, I loved them both after that. And, and literally, I had to be peeled from their house later that evening because I just didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay with Jilly forever. Oh, I adore her. what an absolute, like, once in a lifetime. Yeah, I mean, she sends me Valentine's cards and she sends me little notes. And you, you can they're always really eccentric notes. And she has this amazing, scrawly handwriting. And, yeah, I, I got one this year and it was my favourite Valentine because it comes from Jilly. She's just, oh. and she's so smart. 
she yeah. like the book she wears her knowledge so lightly mm. she she likes to present herself as someone who is kind of daffy and she does. a bit giddy but there's a there's a steely intelligence inside there i, I don't mean that as a derogatory way mm. i mean she just she knows so much and she has such uh, a huge classical reference yeah. uh, back. She's just amazing. She's really, it really, whenever you hear an interview with her mm. or anything, I've listened to a few, it's just, it's so apparent to her that charm is so important to her, both her own yes. and other people's. It's like she just wants to make people comfortable. Yes, Which is what exactly these books it. do. And that's why know? I worried that I'd completely outstayed my welcome because she's the kind of person who would just put you up for a week rather yeah. than suffer the embarrassment of having to say, darling, darling, I think you need to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, what no, an incredible experience. It really was. You've um, picked out a few bits to read from from the book. Yeah. Uh, I just, I really want people to understand how funny, how sharp, how like, honestly, I was saying before we started recording that you, you could do a who said a Dorothy Parker or Judy Cooper and make a pretty good game of it. Well, this particular quote is not going to sit in the Dorothy Parker okay. world, but I, it's one of those, I mean, it's so funny when, when I've told people I was doing this podcast and yeah. doing Riders, everyone has a quote. Everyone really? remembers something. And this was mine, uh, which is somebody asking, uh, Janie talking to Billy about Rupert. And she says, uh, do you think he's good in bed? Billy says, cock like a baseball bat. Used to bat bread rolls across the room with it when we were at school. Now, when I read that, I think I was about 14. I had never seen a male member. That set me up for a lifetime of disappointment. No one has ever batted a bread roll with their um, penis <laughs> in front of me. That's not a challenge, by the way. <laughs> like, I will be dodging bread rolls from now on in. Oh but uh, I just thought, that was such an extraordinary mental image. Um, but yeah, but like, it kind of ruined me forever, really. Because yeah, everything I, since then I, I has been a vague disappointment. Yeah. Um, and we were also, like, it's also the point of there was no no porn, really. No readily available porn no. when and this so, came out. Yeah, we had, I remember Lace. That was the other big yes. one in the 80s. And it was most of us. But, it, it, you know, basically the big sexy thing that everybody remembered, sexy in a kind of slightly weird way, was the goldfish. Yes. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I should go into details, but a, a goldfish was inserted into a part of a woman's anatomy. Where <laughs> that should never have a go, goldfish. <laughs> which I'm sure would attract the ire of the RSPCA uh, were it to happen today, quite rightly. Um, but we were all fascinated by this. But it has about as much resemblance to everyday sex as, you know, I do to Naomi Campbell. It's just not, it's not a thing. Yeah. Um, so Jilly, Jilly, however, suggested that sex was kind of matter of fact, everyday, as normal as eating you know, yeah. going to the brushing your teeth, you just fitted in a quickie here and there and it was joyful. It was joyful and unanguished and fun. And um, there's actually a brilliant quote that you have here about adultery, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was that was brilliant as well. Rupert says, Hunting's like adultery, endless hanging about, interspersed with frenzied moments of excitement, very expensive and morally indefensible. I mean that's perfect. That is a perfect it's line. It's a perfect line. Yeah. Um I mean, the one thing you could say about Rupert, and I don't know quite how Jilly manages to keep him pretty much on the right side of it, but there's almost too much punning. You know, I'm not yeah. sure a man like him would pun quite as emphatically as he does all the way through. There's a, you know, there's a lot of... I, I, I do know what you mean, but I also think there is a kind of a... 
that sort of like aristocratic British man who has never read a book in his life, but there's a kind of a sense of wor- wordplay to everything oh, they right, do and say. They've, they've sort of picked it up by osmosis over the years. Yes, it, and it's very that From sort the of like in the stately home. Yeah, standing up by the fireplace, telling riddles, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's very but, much of that life. But the other thing is, Jilly is really unafraid of of. And I'm going to say this word, so brace yourselves. Um, she's unafraid to call a cunt a cunt. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of cunts in this book, and, and everyone's a cunt in this book. Fairly, oh god, yeah. yeah. But I mean, there are a lot of literal cunts in this. And uh, there's one sex scene that everyone was obsessed by, which was Billy and Janie for the first time in, yes. the, in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but it refers to uh, where is it? There's a snail trail running down her leg. I winced. Yeah. I know. And apparently her publishers were like, are you sure you want to put this in? Because it's, you know, that's fairly graphic. Um, And, you know, it's like you thought this was going to be a sweet little tale about horses and medals and stuff. Yeah. It's filth. It's just, I think think that thing, I did expect the filth, but I thought it was going to be breathy more Mills and Booney I think no, more kind no. of like and he seized her and her breasts no, and blah it's but it's but that is so like gynecological oh no I tell you when you the know? snail trail is the snail trail is when Rupert is taking pictures of his plump little groom yes who, which who, is also a very sexy scene yes and and posing her and, uh, and morally yeah. indefensible morally indefensible I mean here's the thing you have to leave all your yeah. me too age objections at the door yeah. when you pick up this book this is not politically correct in any way i mean it has some slightly unreconstructed scenes that make the you know 20 something 2019 reader wince mm. you know but you have to kind of accept it is yeah. of its time you're, you're in jilly's world you're now, in jilly's you world mean? yeah exactly like, and she doesn't care so yeah, let's it's, just go it's with kind it. of the same as like, sort of like covering your hair when you go into a temple <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly like, this is the reverse yeah, yeah adopt the rules of the system you're in do you know what i mean you can't change it it's here now <laughs> yeah but there's something kind of refreshing about yeah. it as well it's just yeah it's just like i would rather i don't know oh god i'll get myself in trouble but i would rather my 21 year old daughter read that Jilly than yeah. Fifty Shades, which I think gives a far stranger message about female sexuality. I agree. I agree. I, I, I've been kind of toying with whether or not to do Fifty Shades in the podcast, and I've decided not to. But first of all, because it's been talked to death. Yes, that's and true. And second of all, because I, I do... I do garbage, but I do good garbage. Do you know what I mean? It's not a good book. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love the term garbage, yeah. And I, I'm yeah. proud to be garbage and I'm proud to read this garbage. It's, and it's so not garbage, it's ironic, right? Yeah, exa- yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm, it's just yummy. Yeah, but you know, that if you, if you knew nothing about sex, if you'd heard it described and never actually experienced it, you would come away from this book thinking... Oh, yeah, give me some of that. Right. That looks great. You know, that sounds great. That looks like it feels great. So much of what we read, especially, I mean, in literary fiction, I feel like I, I've judged a couple of literary prizes and I lost count of the number of abused young women, uh, yeah. you know, having tortured sex lives with people who were older or should know better. Do you know what? Rupert is older mm-hmm. and should know better. You would yeah. shag him in an instant. You just would. So you just I, would. I had this issue, so... Um, my first book that came out last year it is the kind of it is an older man a younger woman sort of relationship and it is all kind of wrong or whatever but it was so important to me that even though he's an obvious, obviously a wrong mm. that the sex is hot do you mm. know what I mean because yeah. she wouldn't be doing it otherwise no exactly you know and just having these things where it's like girl staring miserably at ceiling while man just has his way is like ugh, no 
can't do it. And actually, a lot of 17-year-old girls are quite filthy and knowing. And, oh, you know, yeah. The, the appetite with which this was swept up in my school. Um, yeah. I, I actually think the sex I had one before I was 20 was filthier than the sex I was having now. Because <laughs> I was ingesting all these ideas from so many different sources and just pairing them what together. What reading? <laughs> oh, Flowers in the Attic. Oh, well, see, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's so off. It's so weird. It's so mad. Oh, yeah. And um, what was the other one with Father Ralph Brickus? The Thornbirds, which is the episode that just went out today. Oh, okay. All right, well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, we had some quite odd messages about sex from all these books, which is basically, it's all a bit warped and weird. What I love about sex in this, first of all, I'm really interested in sort of the the bonk buster as area of study. Uh Because my theory on this is these books, these kind of 700 page books with a sex scene every 10 pages, and they came of age and of popularity in the era of the package holiday, right? Ooh. Where you take one book with yes. you on holidays. And it has, lasts you. It has to last you because you, you're going to like probably a place in Spain that doesn't have an English bookshop. There's no internet. You want to feel a bit sexy on your holidays. I think now the trend is to like load up 10 short books on your Kindle so you feel like, I think people are like, oh, I have to do all my reading on my holidays so I'm taking these seven books and with me. And I have me. to be seen to be reading the right books. have to be seen to be reading. But that didn't exist then. No, that whole didn't. culture didn't exist. So just have a huge book where you could sort of like lie in front of the pool and be like mm, have a bit of sex and then just like do something a bit sexy with whoever yeah, you went yeah. on holidays with that's true but also thinking about those bunk busters is that the vast majority of them apart from I mean I was thinking about the really big the sort of Sydney Sheldons and everything they were always written with the male gaze yeah Jilly's writing even when she's writing about men who she does very well actually yeah. I mean there's not you know I, I think most men I think if, if any man book. were to, if any man ever asked me the question which they never do yeah. which sentimental garbage book would I love the most I think writers would be it it's about yeah, men yeah. it's about men and how they the, and competition the David and, and Goliath yeah, of it all full of testosterone you know? it just yeah. it's very ridey as you say yeah. so it's like a, it's but, um, but it, it's so much from a it's a male gaze but through a female prism so yeah. even you know the, the slightly off scene with Rupert abusing his position with his groom yeah you you sort of see it, but it's written in a way that titillates women as much as yes. men, and not in a kind of weird, creepy way like some of the Fifty Shades stuff did for me. I'm afraid I yeah. just it just to me the whole conflation of sex and money just throws me. Mm. Whereas this is not. This is just about they want to sleep with Rupert because he's hot. They don't yeah. want to sleep with him because of anything it's going to get them. And most of them are having affairs with him in secret, so it's not even if they can tell anybody. They just want a bit of that. I mean, because yes. Julie's always and, writing. Like, she writes about him and his physicality with the same lust as she writes about the women. So, you know, yes, Janie has some kind of bouncing boobs that never wears a bra and she's yeah. just kind of all over the place. But, you know, Rupert's muscles and his torso and the thighs, described the thighs. The thighs <laughs> that could crack a wallet. You know, they, she goes there again and again and again. You're yeah. just never left in any doubt as to what this man looks like. And it's gorgeous and it's, she even like name like checks sort God. of Robert Redford and you know and and, and he, his clothes are always immaculate as yeah. well and it's just and also it's this thing I think of that's like, why so many of us were so disappointed with the TV series because we had yes. all built this man into something kind of superhuman man. and yeah. then you just get this actor who I think I actually watched the show and I think um, Jake Lovell is very mm. hot so team Jake people will love him but um, yeah he the, the actor who plays Rupert he plays it very well yes. he's very charming and sadistic he gets that balance perfect but there's but a the physicality face, that is just not there he looks like a, a long string of piss yeah. his face is kind of strange yeah. he's got this very very big eyebrows and very tiny eyes he looks like someone you might have met at sixth form college 
Yeah. yeah. He, it's kind of just that no, gosh no. guy. He has to be just... Yeah, he's mythical. Yeah. And, and that thing of, like, even women who hate him, even women who have been bred their entire... Like, Fenella. Uh, no, you but know? also um, Helen's appalling uh, hairy armpitted friend. Hillary. Um, and I have nothing against hairy armpits. It's just that this is uh, this is used... Yeah, yeah, Hillary's armpits are used as a kind of indicator for the kind of... Um, yeah. She's a Guardian reading. I mean... God bless her, Jilly does not have much sympathy for the lefties of the world. I don't think she would... No, her children are called, like, Germaine. Yeah, I don't think Corbyn would have got much action in this book. Um, (laughs) Oh, God, I would love to see that. But, yeah, even Hillary, who despises everything that Rupert stands for, finds herself unable to resist his, you know, studly charms, and, and their sex scenes are quite amusing as well. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Do you know what I actually love about this? Um, because there are so many relationships that kind of go nowhere. They just yeah. peter out. So um, Hillary and Rupert have Finn yeah. for about 30 pages. And then you never see her again. And then Billy and Fenn yeah. and Fenella, they have this romance that you think, oh, this is going to be the romance. But then he goes back no. to his wife and actually yeah. that marriage works out oddly. Um, what I loved about it, and it, it, felt, it made me feel great as both a writer and as a human being of like, Bad things just happen to people and they move on. And it's random and you just get on with it. Yeah, people just move on with their lives and like have slightly fractious relationships with with each other going forward. But it's kind of fine, you know. And actually that's interesting because in a lot of books, if you had that kind of affair or if you had, you know, people snapping at each other in the way that Mm. they do... That would be an indicator that it's all gone. It's all gone. But but as you say, Julie just makes that a matter of fact part of, yeah. of life. And, you know, they get together or they don't. And it's kind of fine. Yeah. Yeah. People just carry on. Oh, you just reminded me of another phrase that has popped into my head all my life of Julie's, which is two people going at each other with the, the helpless snappings of courtship, which I oh, always thought was just brilliant. That kind that of, is fab. isn't it? Yeah, I think I've I've used that myself. The helpless it's snappings of courtship. courtship. And you know exactly what that is from that one phrase. Ah, uh, I love it. I love everything about it so much. <laughs> um, and oh, another thing I love about it as well, and maybe you relate to this as a, as a very famous lady writer, um, um, that thing of like, they're very good at these people who are incredibly famous and well-known and how their lives are just like about four times a year they're the most important people on the planet and the rest of the time they're just slogging away in near poverty in cold houses up at six like nursing their horses or whatever Mm. they have very drab lives when they're not competing yes no she's great on the dichotomy between the two sides of their existence and also just the slog it takes to keep that thing going that the kind of anxiety of being dropped from the team repeatedly and the depression i mean the professional athletes absolute depression when you're dropped and also all the things that might lead to you to be dropped so I mean you can imagine footballers reading this and identifying because too much drinking too much carousing and then eventually your captain goes you know what you're out 
you're out this time. Um, I think she's really good on that And you're mentality. devastated for them, yeah. yeah, and, yeah and, and having to watch And also each other. the impact on your family, you know, and they're like, oh, God, he's going to be in a terrible mood now for the yes. next however long. She's so good on human psychology. But again, it's all done so lightly. Uh, you know, none of this is hammered home in a kind of arduous way. I, I think the thing, I haven't read this for about, 15 years when I came really? back to it. It's just one of those books that stays in your head. So I, I thought, I'll try and read all 900 pages, which <laughs> I almost did. Um, but the thing that really leapt off the page as someone who's not read Julie for a while was the life in it, the buoyancy of, yeah. of the prose. It just... I mean, it's almost too much, but there's just... There's never a paragraph without some kind of zing in it. She's yeah. just... it. There's no slack, basically. It, it just keeps bouncing along. And... and yeah, it's like Julie talking, basically. You just you feel this thing has spilled out and of it's, her. It's so it's that so great thing about narration because it is a sort of third person omniscient yeah. narration, and it's a bit peculiar because she does switch. She does yeah. viewpoints a lot in a way that if I'd read it from somebody else, I would be quite critical. But somehow she gets yes, away with an it. An editor now would be like, "You're yeah. head hopping here." Yeah. This, you know, you don't head hopping. Yeah. I like that. I, yeah. get, I get that criticism quite a bit. Um, but um, uh, what was I going to say? Yes, so she has this third-person omniscient narrator. Yeah. But just because they're omniscient, it doesn't mean they're not biased. Do you no, know what I mean? No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's a bit opinionated. And she's quite yeah. judgy as yes. well. Like, yes, there's all sorts of... I mean, the class thing, you can tell that she... I mean, she's desperately snobby about some people. And even though it's it's the narrator mm-hmm. writing, you can tell that she looks down on Kev and his gold spot and his gold chains and and you know yeah. various people who and it's that thing that they always say about people who are you know very very upper class or whatever the kind of the Ruperts of the world is that they get on with the working classes but not the middle classes because yeah. they see them as sort of just grasping and kind of and actually I would say that's probably true in this book as well I yes. would say she's far more critical of the Hillary's and the the lefties and the yeah you know, the people the upwardly who... mobile middle class yeah. she's like get out of it but, yeah whereas but... Mrs Bodkin or you know the grooms or whatever or the Jake, people at the yeah. bottom more Jake she has huge sympathy with basically anyone who likes animals she has huge yes. sympathy with and anybody who is an animal she's not interested in so Hillary obviously would have no pets she would just no. stroke the hair under her armpits <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it kind of um we know what to think of Helen because of how she feels about the dogs yes you there you go. that's it that's the indicator yeah. you're, you're either in or you're out and it's all to do with the animals and yeah, my my favorite, my secret favorite character is Mavis the dog. Oh, Mavis! Well, yeah. we just first meet Billy for the first time, and he's feeding Mavis some Easter egg. Yes, which actually is poisonous. <laughs> which which for is dogs. poisonous Guys, for dogs. Which I'm at like that point. Do not give your dogs chocolate, or if they eat chocolate, take them straight to the bed. Well, obviously, and obviously, Jilly probably knows that too. But it's like it's the rhythm of feeding a dog some Easter yeah, egg. It's yeah. just so lovely. Yeah, and actually, yeah, Rupert and Billy's love for their animals, or their dogs, actually, because. Yeah. Rupert's treatment of horses and and in fact when he gets on is it revenge oh no it's Macaulay, it's Macaulay. who goes mad um, and tries to kill him I mean she she anthropomorphizes yes. um, the animals to a kind of terrible degree one which I probably wouldn't tolerate in anybody else but you're so with it because they just yeah. become extra members of the cast horses aren't really like that do you know what I mean no. like they're they're not like dogs and they kind of are portrayed like dogs yeah well they do have some I mean I, I have a horse at home mm-hmm. well my daughter's horse who who is very expressive and yeah quite opinionated but no not to the degree that they would I mean I remember reading an article with an actor an interview with an actor recently where he he stated that a horse that he'd ridden for a film four years previously remembered him and I thought 
yeah, all right, mate. You yeah. didn't. I, no, I, I did have not. like red yeah. horse, like you gave ridden horses for like you know, yeah, twice a week for three years, and since I have no idea no, who I exactly. am. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or he did. He just didn't care. But you, you, you think that if yeah. it makes you happy. Yeah. Oh. Um, we should probably wrap up unless we have oh more my God. to say. Is it all gone? Oh, we should talk about Sailor, the death of Sailor. There, oh. is, there is a proper tragedy in Tell this me book. All about Sailor. We're not ruining. Sailor is the ugliest horse in the world and is he's a horse that Jake brings on and saves and turns into a show jumping champion and in and in the way of the underdog becomes a great crowd favourite as well. Yes. And Jake Very is much made, the sea Exactly. Yeah. And Jake is made to overjump him, overface him at a point when he would rather not. He feels that Sailor has been a good boy and should be put away to rest. And instead, yeah. he's told by the Malise Gordon, the, the chef to keep, that he must ride another round. And poor Sailor. I'm sorry, block your ears if you haven't read this. Yeah. Sailor dies. Um, and it is genuinely the most harrowing thing that happens in the book, far more so yeah. than... Any of the know, interpersonal things. Yeah, yeah. Tori trying to commit suicide or anything. None yeah. of that is as painful. Oh, maybe Wolf dying. But that's done so quickly. Like, yeah. that's not given no, the gravitas no, but Sailor, it needs. Yeah, yeah it he, broke he me just, like, reading it. They just, he literally comes off the course with a clear yeah. and just And then collapses. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it's, and also you realise that Jake loves this horse more than he can express love to any human being. So there isn't... You know, a, a man crying is going to break you full stop. Yeah. But a man crying over or a broken horse. horse who he... Oh, look, she's welling up. She's welling up. <laughs> No, no, and it, yeah, it's it's a really well written piece of uh, to say melodrama makes it sound derogatory. It's not. It's it's heartbreaking. And then what happens directly after that is um, so he has the two Olympic horses, two Olympic mm. horses are Sailor who dies, and, and Revenge. then he goes to Revenge. But doesn't he then go to find Macaulay? He does. So yeah. so Revenge gets um is was bought by his father in law. Yeah. Um. So the father in law owns him. He's not racing. He's not jumping. No, Jake Revenge is bringing enough. Revenge on quite yeah. slowly and carefully, as is Jake's want. Jake and his magic hands. Mm, um, magic hands. And, and Rupert. Gypsy Rupert basically steals him through a mixture of kind of charm and manipulation and manages to steal the horse from under him and does all the things that Jake would never do, which is sort of metaphor for Rupert and Jake, full stop. Yeah. Yeah. And then he ends up going to the Olympics and winning like a silver on revenge. And then Jake goes after Macaulay, who's yeah. named after the, the maiden name of, of Rupert's Helen, wife, yeah. of Helen, um, who he's sold to the Middle East. Yes, and then left the, in a stone quarry. Perish in a stone quarry. and Which is this whole metaphor for just Rupert and his wife, <laughs> which is so on the nose, but it's, it's perfect. It's Gatsby's careless rich people. Yes. Yes, it's like, toss away the horse once you're done with it. Yeah. Couldn't care less. And we should hate Rupert for that. We should. And yet... Rupert comes good in the end. And yet you still would. You still bloody would. <laughs> Whatever day of the cycle, Rupert's in. Day 15, day one, whatever. But the thing is, like, so so Rupert, like, does his, he, like, he, he abuses this horse, yeah. he abuses his wife, yeah. and Jake kind of has this... He um, picks up the pieces. He picks, he, but he has a sort of weird fixation with taking the things that Rupert abuses. Damages. Because he's been yeah. abused by Rupert yes. himself, and just sort of caring for them and bringing them back up to this co- to competitor level. To show Rupert. Yes, yeah. to show no, Rupert. No, I mean that that the the kind of competition and deep enmity between the two men is what fuels this book. It's yeah. actually not about horses. It's about two men in a kind of slightly homoerotic Ugh. relationship of hatred and yeah power and lust. And it's yeah like even to the point where the first time they meet, so he, the, Rupert bullies Jake yes, at boarding at school. school. The first and time they meet him. again in adult life properly, Jake is on the other side of the hotel room door listening to Rupert bang Helen. <laughs> 
Like, that's the first time he's made aware of Rupert again in his adult life. So here's the question. How would you know yeah. that that was who it was? Oh, really? he's, a, he's, he's spying on Helen on the balcony because she's in the next oh, year. So okay. Because yeah. I missed that scene. Right. I should have... Um, yeah. yeah. I might have to go back. Oh, yeah. This is the thing. Things happen at such a rate. You could probably have two sex scenes on one page. And, yeah. you know, a medal and a dog dying. You could have that all on one page. It is impossible to get everything yeah. at once in this. But this book probably does take several rereadings. What do you think of the ending? Um, I think it's good that Jake ended up with Tori. Yes. Um, we haven't even talked about Tori. And I, oh, I, yes, lovely Tori. Just like, lovely okay. Tori, who is... That's my one thing that actually made she's me uncomfortable the in the book. She's the moral centre of the book, really. Yeah. She's just the, the essence of goodness. And I'm not... Yeah, I think the whole suicide thing... And yeah. Yeah, he actually came back for the dog more than he came he back came for the He came back for the dog. Yeah. yeah. It's a very Victorian ending. It but feels like Victorian quite, fiction. Yeah, there's a bit of kind of weight... Um, uh, there's a sort of unreconstructed attitude towards bodies uh, in terms of how we view people through size yeah. and shape that um, perhaps feels a little bit old-fashioned. It, it's the it's the only thing about this book I truly didn't like. Yeah, was the and not just talking about weight, but being very um, empirical about it. Yes, it's like we always know how many stone, how much stone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> all these women who are eight and nine stone. Yeah. I don't know how they're even lifting up their own heads. <laughs> And then the worst thing is like, I think maybe this felt very attacked. It's just like uh, Tori is referred to as being like this monstrously fat. And she's not. She's not. She's I 11 mean, stone and also tall. Yes. My exact weight. And like, huge tits. And so huge like tits. half of that might be tits. But it's uh, it's a thing where like she's always referred to as being this great galumphing yes I know thing, which is uh, whatever weight she was it would be horrible yeah. for, and it's horrible for any reader to have to be like oh in the world of this book I am seen as being this undesirable terrible thing you know I think we have to again uh, say we leave our modern yeah. slightly more um, what's the word our uh, 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 more evolved viewpoints at the door yeah, and just accept it for what it is even yeah. when when Tori kills herself or tries to kill herself yeah. because she does there's no life without Jake yeah. for her he comes back into her sick bed he's like because that's all right she, then she's dying but those cheekbones <laughs> yeah so that's all right then yeah yeah maybe you know let's hope she doesn't put back on the post illness weight yeah that would be bad <laughs> But also, Rupert, who's obviously done all these terrible things throughout. Yeah. So Jake runs out with Helen on the eve yeah. of the Olympic final. Um, Rupert has a dislocated shoulder. And he and he um, does a clear round and yeah. gets the Olympic gold with a trapped nerve in his shoulder in excruciating pain. And he's, he's the hero. Superhuman. Yeah. But, and, and like you're reading it and he's there with Fenn and... Um, Dina? Ivor. Oh. Oh, oh Ivor, yeah. who is barely a character, but just a bit of an idiot. And, he, and, he's, and he's like there and they're getting like, he's like, oh... Um, a a schoolgirl, a cripple, and yes. school, a schoolgirl, a cripple, and an idiot. Not bad. And we took on the whole world, and I started crying. <laughs> but that's the thing. You're so you're locked into Julie's yeah. world by then. There is no resistance it, to be had. It, you you're have, so you have into to the into team, it. you know. Yeah, it's the team. But then, did you ever watch the film National uh, International Velvet? National Velvet is the one with Elizabeth Taylor, yeah. isn't it? International Velvet is is like the cheese fest of show jumping. Oh, granddaughter of. Oh, um, no, I didn't know. No, uh, well, I mean, it's it's a televisual, uh, sorry, a, a filmic equivalent of sentimental garbage um, <laughs> for, you know, show jumping girls. Oh, and it's fab. young Tatum O'Neill being <gasps> a troubled teenager. Um, all the same kind of dynamics, all about the team. And, yeah. you know, it's it's hilarious. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I have to get into that. If you were making it again today, yes. who would you cast? 
Ooh, good question. Yeah. Um, do you know there just isn't anybody? There's no. There's, there's no Rupert. Nobody. Really, there's no Rupert. Yeah, because you can you can imagine everybody else. You can you can see like a, you know. Oh, Jake could be played by any number of people. Yeah, uh, just handsome black haired people. Yeah, Helen. Yeah, is that? Oh gosh, she's that amazing. I, of course, I can't think of any of the names, but there are lots of amazing foxy redheaded American yeah. women who could play an Isla Helen. Fisher or something. Oh yeah, or, exactly. Yeah, and Amy Adams even. Amy Adams. Oh, yeah. she'd be perfect. She'd she be... could do that slightly tremulous yes. quality. Yeah, which Helen has. Um, Although she, I feel like Helen is rake thin. I don't know why I think that. Yeah, no, she's a lot of reference she, to her tiny breasts and, and her I feel whippetness. Like her whippetness, yeah. yeah. Um, who else? I mean, Fenn could be any jolly, uh, beautiful, sort of young yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow y type yeah. person. Uh, we haven't even spoken about Fenn at all, which means that I don't think either of us are that interested in her. Well, she's just an every woman, really, isn't she? I feel like yeah. she's the most every girl. You know, pony mad. It's she's, like she's, she's in she's there. She's the lucky pony. She's the pony yeah. girl you dreamt of being, the one who actually achieves Olympic glory and the men slightly fancy. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and even though even she's only 16, 18, yeah. she's still the, the uh, women, the athlete of the year. Yes, exactly. Um, she gets to have loads of. It's, it, it's like a character she from never a seems pony to get book. Hat hair. <laughs> which was actually a huge feature of horse riding. Yes, oh, yeah. the kind of the static, the sweaty yeah. head afterwards. None of these people have hat hair. No. Or actually, if the men do, it doesn't matter because yeah. they're just generally sweaty and, and delicious. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> We're gonna stop there. Um, you have a book out today, The Giver today, of Stars. Yeah, which has horses in it. Funny Ooh. enough, but the very unanthropomorphized horses. You've done a horse book before, though, haven't you? I did. I did a horse book, and then. Uh, Is that your first or very yeah. early on? Well, no, I, I, I often shoehorn a reference to riding somewhere in there. Um, and I wrote a book called The Horse Dancer, which was about dressage. Ah. I know, sexy, huh? Um, and then after I wrote it, I remember my editor at the time saying, well, yeah, the thing is, if you put a horse on the cover of a, a book, immediately your sales drop by about 60% because really? people either love them or hate them. Opposite like, of dogs. Yeah, you could have told me that before I wrote it. Oh. <laughs> but actually, it's fine now. It's done quite well. And in oh, fact, fun. it's just been filmed in Germany, so I'm quite excited to see oh, I, I what actually, the Germans I, do they're, they're pushing it again because I saw it in WH Nick the other day. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it, it had a second life. It was really bizarre. It, it just oh. went to number two or so. I can't remember what it did. It just had some weird oh, I'm gonna leap up in. Oh yeah, but it's um, it's a young girl and a horse. I mean, we never escape that. I think if no. you're a horsey girl, there's there's always a young girl and a horse. But these this is about women. I wanted to write about women doing, having agency and doing something athletic and brave and serious and supporting each other. I didn't want to write a book about women in competition with each other mm. for men. I wanted to write a book about women achieving something as a team. Uh, having that kind of funny, irritated, fractious, loving, supportive relationship that women do with each other. But also there's some hot men in there. Oh, and it's lovely. a bit more full-blooded. Julie would approve of this one. It's a bit more full-blooded than my usual thing. There is sex. Yummy. Actual sex. Actual sex. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I can't wait to read it. Thank you so much, Adam Boys, for coming on. Thank you so much for having this me. It's been an absolute joy. For me too. Tally-ho. Tally-ho. <laughs> Off we go. This has been Sentimental Garbage and I've been Karen O'Donoghue. You can follow me on Twitter at Zaraline, that's C-Z-A-R-O-L-I-N-E, or email me by the podcast at ZaralineO'Donoghue at gmail.com. This has been a Justice for Dumb Women podcast. Thanks to Harry Harris for the jingle, Gavin Day for the logo, and Acast for the recording space. Hold up. 
mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com